Welcome to the newly cleansed and refreshed In The Game podcast, where we invite you to transform your dreams into reality. Every week, we aim to touch, move, and inspire you to new possibilities for your life. My name is Sarah Maxwell, and is it really time for me to now intro my own show? Heck no! Bring in the Aussie talent to get it done. With their groundbreaking first season as The Nat and Sarah Show, the foundation has been laid for a life of manifesting your dreams. Join us as we delve into the nuts and bolts of what it really takes to bring those dream boards into reality. It's time to dust off your dreams and get back in the game of life. Are you a member of the community? Head to Facebook and search In The Game Podcast to download your three-step journal to begin the workshop-style teachings and gain exclusive access to your hosts and featured guests. Get ready to take action on your possibility. Today, we continue the conversation with the owner of the Business League, a national community for small and medium-sized business owners to drive their companies forward. Rebecca Plant has grounded the notion of the power of the female through a resilience born out of being raised by a single mom, then a high-level netball player, and finally her background in communications journalism. Perhaps it was her nervous breakdown in her 20s, however, where her need to achieve, achieve, achieve intensified to push, push, push until she broke. The deep dive into personal development and emotional healing had her arise as a new entrepreneur focused on women in the workplace. Her and her husband, Ed, have been working alongside one another for the past 10 years, forming the Institute for Couples in Business and co-authoring their number one best-selling book, Lead the Ship, back in 2016. They live in their very own treehouse with their young boys in the hinterlands of the Gold Coast, where they are passionate contributors within their community. So, Beck, I'm pretty excited to talk all things women in business, couples in business, mothers in business. Are you down for that? I am down for that. They are all topics I'm very interested in. And for all of you that need to go watch this on YouTube, she has the best (laughs) riddle to get there and have a look at this Wonder Woman. So I'm going to be honest, Beck, like I normally kind of have this like sequential, warm into it kind of conversation, but I just need to get into the meat of women in business because you wrote this article for The Power of Her. And you were really calling all women with this comment and you called me because you said, how do you move into the realm of leader from a defined history of supporter? What? Like there's a statement. Can you begin? And like, there's no warm up, Beck, forgetting it all days. <laughs> like just like, how do women, how do we women lead Beck? Yeah, it's a really interesting question. And, um, I don't know where that uh, that piece of wisdom arrived from. You know, those moments when you do write and having been a writer my adult career, it's sometimes things just land on and I read the back and I'm like, wow, where did that even arrive from? And I think that that was just one of those moments, really sitting into that kind of um, looking at evolution and, and as women have always been the 
taking the role, the person behind the scenes, right? So we've always been the person backstage. The husband's out there making our, husband's out there making um, the money for us or they're out there hunting and we're at home, pulling all the bits and pieces together, um, you know, planting the seeds where they need to go, remembering where we planted them last season so we can plant them there again or find them. And it's this evolution from gatherer that women have come from that I really believe makes us great leaders because we have an ability to take in a whole picture. We're not just reacting to the next threat or the next kind of, you know, thing. We are literally capturing this whole ecosphere or, you know, hemisphere of what's going on in our life and then able to pull in, draw in, call in whatever it is that we need in order to, go forward so i think in how do women lead i I feel like it's really with a collaborative mind and we also often i don't want to say from the heart because some women don't but i feel like there's definitely a lot more ability for us to lead emotionally which can help us in our business Mm -hmm. it can also derail us if it's not harnessed well Mm -hmm. but i feel like we can lead with a bit more emotion and tell some stories if we allow that self to come out Um, So we lead with purpose a little bit more and we lead with understanding how our our actions might have reactions Mm -hmm. for others before we go through them. And I feel like that's a really, really pertinent point for for women when we are in leadership. I got a really great visual. And by the way, again, she's she's using her hands, guys. So, (laughs) So if I got more than you and you could just hear it, it's... This idea of women um, having this capacity to take in a scenario, almost like expanded awareness. That's what was coming up for me. Um, And I thought about moms, like moms, especially have multiple kids. And it's like they have eyes in the back of their head and they can see what's going on behind and in front and to the side. And so within that idea of, let's say, and I'm going to carry it even further than woman, I'm going to say a mother, um, how does that ability carry into the business space and become a success leadership trait? Do you mean like how do we carry in this, ex- this expansive mentality and bring that to what we're doing? That's it. Like why does that have great leadership capacities? Like meaning expand that for us and tell us like, well, how does that actually help us in business? Hmm. So for me, because we run a massive community, like we have a large community all over Australia, I I think just being able to tap into the thoughts is an excellent tool in marketing for starters, when you can have expansive capability and you can think about how your actions might be, you you know, might affect someone else at the other side, you actually can market better because you know what they're going to say. You can have a think about how they might respond to what you're, you know, putting out into the world. Uh, and then you can also counteract that. So we can also be great salespeople for that reason too, because we can think about, well, what are the objections going to be um, if we do say this? So that ability to, to look and to draw and have that a bigger picture then allows us to think of all the components rather than just rushing in. And I think that, you know, I think men are, have it really great and i think men do a lot of things really well that we can learn from and one of them is just rushing in sometimes and you know not not having to feel into things too much because sometimes that can paralyze us Mm -hmm. so in terms of you know being um how do we draw on that expanse to to be a mum, to be a woman in leadership 
it is really just kind of using thinking about you know you've got to be when you're in the beginning it's really hard because you can't delineate between the business and the children because they both require so much attention and you want to you're trying to put it in fit it in and do it in gaps and then as you get further along, you know, everyone's used to it. The kids are used to mum going into the business. You know, you're used to putting your business hat on. You're used to taking it off and being present to the children. So that's where as you evolve in your business and your, um, and your skills evolve as well, it becomes a really useful tool because we do know, if you think back to that seed analogy that I was talking about before, we know where to return to from the season before. So with our children and with our business, we know where to, when to stop and farming that particular piece of land, i.e. being in that role and return to the, the next piece. And it's just, we're not farming anymore. We're literally just moving from here to here, but it's that, that active presence that allows us to get more done. I reckon, Sarah, like it's, you can get more done because you're more aware of it, but as long as you keep them each component contained um, and get everyone trained in how that looks and, you know, how that acts, then you're okay. Because I think that when you first knew into business and if your kids are already a little bit older, see, we'd already been in business for a time before our children came along. So they've grown up with two parents who work alongside each other and never know, have known the difference. But I think it would be challenging for people who already have children want to start out. You've got to train your kids to know that while you're putting in this time over here right now in the business, it doesn't mean that they're going to lose anything. Mm, so it's that, that, so, you know, and that kind of circles back to what we were saying before, how does that expansive kind of notion help us in being a mum in a business? And that's why, because we can think, well, they're going to be feeling sad that they don't get me. Mm-hmm. They're going to be feeling sad that I'm doing all this work and they feel like they're being left behind. Yeah. So if we can think in advance, we can plan for it and therefore we can, you know, counteract it. Yeah, I like that. Like those analogies around sales and marketing, and you've done a really great job filling people in because I've left them a bit open as to who is this amazing woman that's <laughs> that's talking to us. They know journalism, they know a little bit, but like let's let's fill in you know paint by numbers here. Let's let's fill in this picture a little for everyone. So, um, tell me a little bit about the dreams that you had for your life growing up. You know, with a single mother, um, and I and with that, like, were there any desires that you had that you felt like you had to kind of shelve or dreams because you were helping the family survive in some way? You know, I don't really think that I did, Sarah. And, you know, I, I posted on Facebook uh, my mum's birthday in July that, you know, happy birthday to the woman who not just helped help me do life, but showed me what was possible. Mm-hmm. And she was the ultimate supporter Sarah. So when I think about me, I really think I'm not as, as wonderful a supporter as my mum because I'm probably a little bit more selfish in the things that I want to achieve and I really go for that. Um, whereas my mum really shelved everything that she wanted and needed because she had three girls under the age of 10 to get through life and that was her, that was her goal. That was what she needed to do. And so for me, I don't, I don't feel like I ever missed out. I... I look back now at the life that my children have versus what I have. Like we went for, we went on one holiday our entire childhood. Mm -hmm. My kids had been on a plane 
and for their first holiday in their first three months of life, you know, and we regularly holiday and, and do that and, and go out for dinners and have all these things that I didn't experience as a young person. But I think, again, it goes back to that whole saying of you only know, you only know what's available to you because of what you know, right? So I didn't ever feel like I was missing out on anything. And if I did, if I did want something, I knew I had to work for it. So yeah. it was never my mum went, oh, you want to learn piano? I'm going to organise those lessons and I'll find, do all the research. It was like, oh, you want to learn? I never learned piano, by the way. It's just a really thing that dropped into my mind. Um, <laughs> and, but I did learn the violin and I really got into it and it was just like, okay, well, you need to do that. All right. So my mum saved up like pennies and pennies to pay, buy me a $400 violin at that time, oh, wow. which was a really, really big deal because I'd committed to it for long enough. I had used the school violins I'd borrowed, but I'd committed to it. And it was always the same with my netball shoes and my netball uniforms. They were always secondhand until I started making levels where you couldn't have secondhand anymore. But I just didn't know. It was kind of like, if I wanted something, I needed to either commit to it long enough and hard enough that she could see that I wasn't giving up Mm. or that I went out and made it possible myself. So I don't think that I did ever have anything. I can't, I don't look back with regret or you know disdain that I feel like I didn't grow up in a big giant house and go on lots of holidays but I do because I had a beautiful childhood and I was so loved and so cared for um but I also see I've I've became very resourceful as a result of the way that I was raised and like what were the dreams for you so did you want to be a violinist did you want to be a professional athlete? Like what were the kind of things that you dreamed about? Yeah, I think at that time I did want to, when I started violin, I was like, oh, I want to be, you know, in the orchestra. And then I kind of gave it up because I chose sport later on. But the big one for me was that I always thought that I wanted to play for Australia. I remember seeing Vicky Wilson. Uh, you're a Canadian. You, you're not even into netball. You probably don't know what that means or anything, but she's a bit of an institution. I actually know who Vicky is. <laughs> oh, my good. name, so I remember her. You remember Vicky? Oh my gosh, look at these marks. My cuffing, Sarah. I just had cuffing yesterday. Um, so if you're watching the video, you can see that. If you're listening, that's just going to sound know a bit crazy. <laughs> uh, it's, yes, and I remember seeing her um, play, and she was the goal shooter for Australia. And I just, I remember her as a young girl, and I thought, wow, that would be amazing to play like that. I think that would be fantastic. And so I was already playing netball. It was a sport that you play in a, in a house when there's all women. That was just how it rolled for us. Yeah. Um, and it was accessible and, you know, great. And I, yeah, I really got into it. But I never watched, I never really got into watching netball on TV, but I did like to watch the Australian games. And I do remember watching Vicky Wilson and I can't, I don't know, I was probably like, seven or eight at that stage and just it was a world cup and they were just in that whole australian new zealand battle and vicky hit the post and it was huge but she got up and they you know just kept going and i think she may have hurt her knee in that one but it was just amazing and i thought that's i want to do that and i don't really think that i I don't remember it like being really lit up like i'm never going to not do anything else but at that time i was like let's just see where that goes and in reflection now for the first time when you did say did it you know do i ever feel like in that protector's mode that i Mm. couldn't you know my dreams got dulled and then perhaps then it was it was just kind of see let's see what i can do it wasn't a that's going to absolutely happen for me so what did you think could block it like what why not give yourself fully to it do you think i probably didn't know if i if like if my mum 
if we had the money to do it, mm-hmm. if we had the resources, I, I don't even know if, I didn't know if things like that were possible to a little girl who grew up, you know, in, in the Gold Coast to be able to, to be that person because there really wasn't anyone in that environment that I was hanging with who had that experience. So the interesting thing was that as I grew older and continued through my rep environment, you know, through the rep uh, representative environment, the younger years, and I went from being a centre court player because I grew like half a head over one season, couldn't then work my arms and legs and had these limbs like a, you know, a horse coming out, a, a colt arriving. And my coach was like, you just need to go out of the, get off the court for a bit, like popped me up one end. And I needed kind of a season to get the use of my arms and legs again. And then by 17, I was back up into it. And I, I remember um, playing state league and getting awarded the Vicky Wilson um, oh, medal for that particular year. And at that point I was like, wow. And I was standing there next to her, um, receiving this trophy. And I feel like that was a really, you know, amazing point for me. Cause then I went on to also play, um, under in junior firebirds with her, which is the Queensland side. And she coached me and she was, she was an amazing coach. She was also incredibly, um, tough. And I had a bit of a back issue at at that time. And I remember, I remember kind of feeling it partway through a quarter and I came off and she was like, you missed that ball. You know, what are you doing there? And I said, oh, my back's hurting a little bit. And she said, what are you doing? This is a team game. If you, this is, if you're out there and you can't perform to a hundred percent, you get off. This is not about you. This is about the team. And I distinctly remember that because it's been carried with me this entire time. It's like, if you are not 100%, you get out and you give someone who can go full throttle a chance to help us. And it, you know, at that point, I think I was just like, I was so young. I hadn't ever had anyone talk to me like that. Mm -hmm. Um, But it stuck with me to now. And what does it mean to you now when you're in business and what, what has it translated for you? I think it probably goes a really long way to the way that I approach life. So one of the things that um, my husband will assure you uh, of is that I, I don't, um, there's an old saying, I don't suffer fools lightly. And I feel like that's a bit harsh, but I really, really get challenged by people who say that they're committed to a game this is, could be any kind of game now, Sarah. This could be, you know, like, this could be being a mum. It could be starting a business. It could be growing a business. It could be taking a sport and then really just finding excuses and not being able to, and, and just not doing what they say they're going to do to be, to make that happen. Now that really, really, that really inside of me makes a fire burn because I think for that person, what, like what, just just do the things. What's, what, what, just help me understand what, what is it that is stopping you from doing these things? And, and I take it back to that one moment that says, if you can't, if you can't go 100% out there, get out of the way and let someone else have a go at making that happen. And I feel like for me, when I, when I, when I am working with people or we have clients in our community, And they keep coming back to the same thing over and over again. I'm like, I feel like that. I go, do you want this or not? Because if you want it, 
go for it. If you don't, get out of the way. Because my, my visual is because I'm thinking when you're talking to the people in business, you're like, you have a brain injury. You need to get off. Right? Yours was your back. They're having a brain injury. It's like- and I, and I, oh, so often it's not a brain injury. Hey, it's, it's a heart injury, Sarah. They just so people are so, they're so scared because they, they got told off by their idol. And rather than hearing it and taking it on and changing their life, they, took it on and decided it's not safe for me to do that anymore. And I think that that's where the compassion woman, female comes into me in those scenarios. Cause I can be like, do it or don't do it. It's that simple. Like as my children say to me, Yoda, Yoda says, uh, do or do not, there is no try. And it's because I say to my kids, you can't try, you're either doing it or you're not doing it. It's that simple. You know, you can attempt something, you can make it a practice, but you're not trying to do it. You're doing it or you're not doing it. And there's like that whole thing in business as well comes down to that. It's you're either really committed. And and one of our values that we hold really strong here is we call it the value of Vikingness. Do you know the stories of the Vikings, Sarah? Not really. I've been to Norway, but that's (laughs) give it to me. I want to know. And by the way, people are listening. This is completely my experience. I don't know if I'm getting life right and I don't, whatever it is, I'm just sharing what's worked for me and how things go. Um, And the Vikingness is for us, uh, when, when the Vikings would arrive to a new Island to, you know, to take that Island, they would burn their boats because for them, they were either taking the Island and keeping it or they were dying trying. That's it. So in our, in our business, that's the element that we bring to it is that both Ed and I committed to that. We're like, we are hundred percent all in. And I reckon Ed and I together could be pretty intense. Like we're. He's an army guy. (laughs) I didn't mention that in the intro, did I? 17 years trained in the military, uh, has lived in war zones and incredibly strategical engineer. Mm. Um, and you know, like I bring this whole storytelling element and heart to it and ability to, to Mm. move people and get them excited. And he's got like this ability just to see straight through what needs to be done and get it done. So between us, I reckon, you know, we could be a bit hardcore, but But in that, like, so I've got this burning question about in your twenties, when you took, like when, when Vicky, you know, your coach said that to you. And it was so poignant. And I just want to make this kind of like distinction between committing, committed, and then this achiever that turned into a push, that turned into a break. How do you see all of those elements together? Because I, I sometimes in myself as well, it's like this slippery slope. They look similar. Yeah. And before you know it, it's like the push is on and, and then it breaks. So what have you, what did you learn from that? And that now helps you to, to kind of navigate that distinction between let's say commitment and breaking. Yeah. When you were telling that kind of story earlier, when you, and you talked about broke, I could really feel inside of myself that there was that, that brought up quite a lot of uh, residual emotion for me because I, I did feel very broken and, and I do talk about Vikingness and I do have this kind of real passion to just like go, just get it done. But then those people that 
people that love me and know me understand I've also got this very soft side that does yoga. Um, and I'm, and I practice yoga. I'm a practice, I practice meditation. Uh, and I practice, I went to a retreat, um, a month ago and I actually requested a badge that said in silence because I didn't want to have to speak to anyone that whole time. So there's a, there's been, I think there's the, the big thing I learned in that time was to be committed to all aspects of life. So where I had, where I broke was because I was completely unbalanced. It was like driving a car with one shonky wheel that kind of bobbled up and down over the road. And then all of a sudden, you know, it was fine for a while. It just felt like it was a bit of a wobbly drive and I was still achieving. I was still making miles. I was still getting where I wanted to. But then when that pops and finally gives way, it's like the car starts skidding along. And so I think that was me in most of my twenties. It was... I was still could drive fast. It was pretty bumpy um, and achieve stuff. Like I worked in London, I worked for a huge asset management firm. Um, they had, they had um, offices all over the globe. So I got to experience conversations with different people there. I was able to use my journalism schools and put it into a communications element. Um, I got paid really well. I partied really hard. I got, I went to, you know, places all over Europe that as a, as a seven, eight, nine, ten-year-old girl, didn't even know like geography was such a hot. I was so bad at geography before I lived in the UK, Sarah, because I just didn't. It didn't interest me because I was like, well, I'm I'm not over there. I'm here. I'm just going to be interested about here, and that opened my mind up to like how much more of life there was in that. And I think that's what I think that that's what made me cut my wheel, come unstuck, because there was so much to experience. And when you're when I was wanting to experience everything because that's the person I am because I'm like all in it became too much and the nervous breakdown came arrived when I came back to Australia because I didn't know where I fit anymore so all those achievements that I had which was all the things I measured before you know and I'd played state um I played county league over in netball over there as well so there was all these things I had a great job in London and you know had county league and was traveling the world and I had all these you know exciting things going on and then all of a sudden I land back in Australia I've got no job I've got no place to live I came home with credit card debt I didn't come home with any pounds despite the fact I had learnt, you know earned a lot I came with nothing yeah got it and I had to start again and at that point it was like whoa, I don't, I don't know. I don't know anymore. I don't know where I am. So of course I turned back toward netball because netball is my, has, was my savior in so much parts of my life and sport's great for that. You know, like sport is excellent for making friendships and pushing the boundaries for yourself. And that was why I started playing again in London, basically because I wanted to make friends because I didn't know anyone and, and ended up making some really beautiful um, friendships so I turned toward netball and I pushed again. And so I was kind of just starting to feel the anxiety and I didn't know what it was because I didn't, I'd spent so many years pushing away fear that I didn't know that it was actually, that was the feeling of fear. Mm-hmm. And so then I, you know, I had had a very pertinent awakening on the side of a hill in Peru on the Inca trail and the pass where it arrived, I was on the hill walking toward dead woman's pass. And I received a message at that time that Beck, you always wanted to play for Australia. And at least you wanted to play for the national league. So when you get home to Australia, that's what you're going to do. 
So despite this feeling that I had and having nothing, I thought at least I have that and I'm just going to go for that. So I made friends with whoever I needed to make to. I moved to Canberra. I made the calls. I did what I had to do. I made the National League team in the ACT. Very unfit, very overweight, had a lot of work to do, but, but went for it. And it was then that I really became to come unstuck because oh. my back started, uh, you know, being an issue again for me. Um, I started getting panic attacks wow. uh, because I was also working a job by the, you know, by the, by the time netball was in full swing, I had to land myself a job because you can't really live without money and I didn't have any. And, you know, there was lots of things going on. Um, and it was then that I kind of realized I'd done the netball to get me through, but I was a very high functioning, had a very high functioning anxiety disorder. Mm. Um, and I don't like to label that because it's not really something that I'm into, but that's, to put it for aspect, that's kind of where I was. Um, But I was so committed to this goal that I had arrived at on the side of this incredibly poignant mountain that I couldn't not go for it. And so what I learned out of that experience was just like, I knew partly through that it wasn't really what I wanted to be doing. I wasn't enjoying the game. I wasn't enjoying who I was playing with. I so much realized that netball for me was actually about literally getting to see my girlfriends three times a week for training and games. I wasn't, and because I didn't know these women, I wasn't experiencing that. I didn't have this connection um, with them, that depth of wanting to go out there and play for them. And when I, when I work with young girls now, that is what I teach them. I'm like, you're not out, you're, you're out there playing for each other. So you need to learn to get, you need to learn to love each other and work, to, work with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and I just, but I kept pushing, I kept pushing and that was, you know, really kind of the awakening for me when I was like, I've got everything I asked for, you know, like I had a job and I finally made the national league and I still was having panic and I was still having anxiety and like, what, what is this about? And that began the real true leadership journey for me in understanding myself, um, shortly after and it was you know during that time as I was coming out of that period um I met my husband and so through that where I was as I met him and this is testament to the sort of man he is to where I am now has very changed like I felt like I needed being protected by I'd protected people for so long in my life I felt like I needed to be protected at that stage and he arrived as a giant of a man he's six foot three I'm six foot he was there and he enveloped me and we actually lived together as housemates at that point while I was going through all of this. And, and so our relationship has grown through as he's watched me come like a lotus flower out of the mud up, you know, they're not being able to see to up and to the top. And uh, just recently our life has changed so that he, he's that supporter and I'm the one at the front and, um, and I'm not breaking. I'm committed to it, but I'm, I'm not breaking because of that ability to, to think as we spoke about earlier in that female form and context and know when to take the hat off and to go, that's not a life or death situation. Like it's, yes, there are some hard deadlines in a business, especially when you run a business that's based around events um, and serving others. There's some deadlines sometimes that you just can't miss when there's a hundred people waiting for you, you need to show up. Um, But it's, it's just, it's all in context now. And I think that age gives us this wisdom. Age has given me a wisdom, Sarah, that I'm, I hope will only continue as I go along that, that says, if all I have at the end of the day, if I lose everything, 
if I don't achieve anything in my life, but two healthy young men who grow up to be respect themselves, their mum and their dad and their community, I'm good. If I have a loving partner in my life who can support whatever move I need to make and we have food and a house or a tent, whatever it is, we have each other. Um, I know that I can come out of it because I have literally been in the mud and I have literally been at the point where I've wanted to run my car off the road and it has felt shitty. And that was the difference between pushing to break and being committed. And now I feel like I'm committed. Uh, and I'm, I'm so glad you brought up your relationship because not only has it been poignant, but you've built a business around it. There's been periods, you know, and it's, it's fluctuated. It's gone through lots of things and just give us, you know, before we, we wrap it up, like just give us a snapshot of what it's like working with your mate, the same person that you father your children with, the same person that you're intimate with. Like, what is it like to keep all those areas tuning and co-author a book together and, and do all of those things together. <laughs> hell, Sarah, it's hell. <laughs> Terrible. Don't do it. It's, um, <laughs> there are times where it feels like hell. It's hard um, at moments. And we've been doing it together now for what, 10 years, nearing 10 years. Mm. And at the beginning, it was great because we didn't have any children. And it was like, we had all this time where we could also, you know, wine and dine and <laughs> have the fun and walk around naked and, you know, have the lazy mornings and all that kind of stuff. I can still walk around naked with all my family of boys, but it's not quite the, as fun as it once was when they're all there. Um, but now, and then the children arrived and, and, you know, after Samuel, who's our eldest, he's now seven and Charles, he's five. Um, when, after Samuel arrived, I remember feeling distinct moments of absolute anger and rage pointed at him because I was like, you get to go out every day and do just look after yourself and do whatever you want to do. And I'm here stuck with a child on my boob at the whim of someone else. And that was a very new experience for me. And I, again, I, that's what I'd say about me and my mum and like, I'm, I'm not a natural I don't think I'm a natural kind of behavior, like supporter person. So that was a real shift for me, but it was also a shift that feeling that resentment toward him when I didn't, I had chose this for myself. Oh, I get uh, so, that. was such a good example. I can, Nat will love that moment. She's like, <laughs> Oh, I remember when Sarah said, I'm like, you'll never understand what a three hourly clock is like for breastfeeding. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I know it's weird and you know, it's not, it's not on, but you just feel it anyway. Yeah. And you, and, and it did, it was kind of working through that resentment as well and, and being able to be aware of that. And, 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 you know, at the beginning of our relationship and through that nervous breakdown, one of the things I did do was go and, and do my own personal development program for 12 months. And then I went through and did a success coaching, um, uh, kind of creditation after that as well. So I, I learned that and that's how Ed and I started our relationship. Mm -hmm. So we've always been grounded in this idea that he sometimes forgets though, by the way, he's always, he, he forgets sometimes that he's not angry at me. He's actually angry at himself. And so when you can continue coming Do back, you remind that, him <laughs> at, at perfect Are you listening, times? Edward? Yeah. Edward, if you're listening, <laughs> this is, I'm just laughing because Nat says to me, don't pillow coach me. 
which for everyone, that's just a lingo for do not be my coach, which is not advisable in relationships. It's Have not, you ever, do you not it's recommend not that? Advisable. I don't recommend that at all. And it's sometimes really challenging because it's hard to just have a conversation when you can so blindly see what's going on. And so I think that that's what has really, that's how we do it. It's like, um, I just have to stay really focused on me and building myself and working through my stuff. Mm -hmm. And Ed has to do that with him and I have to be patient with him. And it's that understanding of our different behavioural styles as well that, you know, in terms of actually performing together as a unit, we that's something we we were facilitators in, but also, and that I use really a lot often with people and that we have to do using ourselves so that you can really go, okay, he needs to hear this in this way uh, right now, or I need to just shh, silence can be wonderful as well for people who work together. And I find that for us, it is about, it's about kind of having those times and, and putting in those boundaries that we we've put in over the years and have gotten stronger um, certainly since the kids came along too, so that it's this, you know, we have rules like there's no talking about work at the dinner table mm -hmm. and we don't, you know, if we're one, if, if you don't want to, if one of us kind of falls into that trap of, of talking about the business in alone time, the other one has absolute right to say, do you mind if we park this right now? Because I, I, I actually just don't want to go there. And we've given, it's, it's really kind of an adult relationship, <laughs> which, which I think, we, ha we all have to grow into this adult relationship where we can communicate how we're feeling without anger to the other person. And as soon, and I've found that as soon as I've been able to own what's happening for me in every emotion and knowing that at some level it's because I've either betrayed myself or disappointed myself or frustrated myself or, you know, an expectation in my mind has been shattered and that I can take ownership of how I feel it makes our relationship so much easier and allows us to do business um, more easily and it allows us to do home life more easily. And, and you know, there's, 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 there's often times where our sex life is wonderful and fantastic and it's, it's beautiful and there's plenty of it. And then there's other times where, where, there's, where it's not, you know, like where we don't have the times and um, it's just, that's just the reality. And I don't, I probably once read into that like as being mm -hmm. what was going on. And now I just accept that the nature and the cyclical nature of being human is that sometimes things are in abundance and sometimes they're not. And if they're not, and I feel like it's, that's, there's something, there's a reason for that other than just the fact that we are literally busy and tired, then I raise it and I bring it up and I bring it to the fore for us to discuss and talk about. And if it's not, then it just, it just goes. And I, and that's probably for Ed and I being the true the true kind of gap, which is just never being afraid to talk, talk something out or bring something up because if we're bringing it up, at least we're not turning away to someone else. Yeah. Which I love that. Keep your intimacy between, yeah. between you guys. And, and I think, you know, I have to say, and I hope everybody else recognizes it. They must that your honesty and the both of you, I think that's what's so beautiful because you, you kind of share all of it. And, and it's like, thank you for that. And even just that we, you know, you could have said, oh yeah, it's majestic. We co-opted a selling <laughs> book and we did this. And it's like, no, it's hard sometimes. I'd be lying, like, Sarah. Yeah. Wait, <laughs> thank you for not lying. And I have about a hundred questions I want to ask you about 
mothering, you, you, you touched on it, mothering in business because you've really helped me um, navigate a couple of things. So if you're up for it, I'd love to have you back on and really kind of, you know, again, no warm up and just go right into motherhood and business. So if you're cool with that, I'd love to have you back. I would love to talk to you all about that. And I, and I promise I'll ramble just as much as I did today. Well done. Yeah. Well, didn't you wear the patch that said silence? So That's right. I did 10 days, no talking because Nat said I couldn't do it. And I've been talking double ever since baby. So like hats off to you ramble on. And ever since reading, um, eat, pray, love. Mm. And she had the badge, the silent mm. badge. And they, they realized like her gifts and, and wanted her to be like a tour guide. And she said, you know, I realized that some people recognize this skill and this talent. That, that moment, what she said there in that book, like gave me total permission. So permission to us to ramble. Thank you back for this conversation. And I look forward to Thank like, you. yeah, we don't need to warm up again because we've just done it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you, Sarah. We'll talk to you soon. We so appreciate you listening to the show. Don't forget to join the community on Facebook by searching In The Game Podcast. There you can download your three-step journal and participate in our weekly live video chats. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You've got to rate and review the show. And I know all the podcasts are always asking this. And in the past, I wasn't doing it. And the reason I wasn't doing it is because I actually didn't know how to do it. So... Open your podcast player and click on our show from your library, not the listen now. That's where I was going wrong in the past. So now that you know how to do it, when you go there, make sure you give us a five-star review. Five stars, five stars, five stars. And then click on write a review link to actually write a review so that you can tell other people that we're legit and even funny, maybe a bit serious. So if you want to recommend this to someone, you have to put your fingers on the keys and send us a review.